hello, hello, and welcome back to this week's episode of the Mike the Gardener Gardening Podcast, sponsored by those lovely people at Natural Grower, who supply plant-based products for both organic and chemical-free gardening and your houseplants. Crammed with certified organic growing power, if you're looking for amazing results with all of your fruit and vegetables, your flower beds, your lawns and houseplants, then Natural Growers award-winning certified organic peat-free compost and fertiliser knock the socks off chemical products. All products are certified organic, 100% chemical-free and 100% peat-free. And those lovely people at Natural Grower have given me an exclusive 10% discount off all products for my listeners. Just pop Mike 10, M-I-C, the number 10, in the apply coupon field when you check out. In this week's episode, I finally get to chat to somebody who has been one of the most requested personalities that you have made of me to try and talk to on the podcast. Yes, the wait is over. Today, I chat to garden designer, Gardener's World presenter and author Adam Frost. Yes, you heard me right. It's finally happened. Ever since I started the podcast, as I say, I've been inundated with your request to chat to him. In a very frank, open and honest chat, we talk about Adam's career to date working with Jeff Hamilton, the legend that was Jeff Hamilton, Adam's new garden, his recent and successful An Evening with Adam Frost tour across the UK, and much, much more. I started by asking Adam what he says if anybody asks who doesn't know him what he does for a living. Thank you so much for joining me today. You've got me out of a bit of a scrape. I am continually being asked by my listeners, when are you going to talk to Adam? And if I say that I've got a great guest coming on, they all say, is it Adam? Is it Adam? So thank you for coming along and having a chat to us all. Which Adam is that, mate? You've you've got confused, (laughs) you know, because they're definitely not talking about me. The only other Adam I know is the one that used to hang around with Eve. There we go. That's who they're... Well, you can expect that's who they do want to meet. I mean, a lot of us would like to meet him, wouldn't we? Yeah. How did that apple taste? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. How did you get on with that garden? Yeah. Um, Talented garden designer, popular presenter, expert gardener, best-selling author, lecturer. I wondered, when you go to a party and if people don't know you and ask what you do for a living, what do you say? How do you see your career? What do I call myself? Um, if I'm asked, I'm a gardener. That's what I say, simple as. Normally because um, it kills the conversation and then people leave me alone. <laughs> they don't want to talk to a gardener. To be fair, I'm, I'm sort of, it's really, my, I'm a bit strange because I suppose I can do all that stuff that you've just said. I can do the camera, I can walk on a stage and, and I love people. But actually on a social level, I'm the lad sat in the corner of the pub just quietly having a pint, or actually, even if we're entertaining, I'd rather be doing the cooking, and Mrs. Frost would be doing the full-on social being, and yeah, it's strange, isn't it, Hal? Yeah, that, yeah, that yeah. is, and I sort of, I can relate to that, if I go to a party, I will almost yeah. wait to be spoken to, and then I'm like, oh, yeah. gird my loins and get on with it. Yeah, I'm just not, 
I'm not made that way. Yeah, honestly, if somebody, my mates know me, Frosty, you know, I walk in Frosty, they'll give me a pint of ale and go, go and sit in the corner, so, you know, and, and they're the people that know me and think that, you know, I don't have to make any effort for those people. But yeah, it's I think, yeah, just the way we are, I suppose, as, as human beings. But also Mrs. Frosty's really, is really social. And I feel like that part of it, that that part of our world is, She's the front of, if that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, yeah. And I suppose I'm the front of the other part of the world. Because if you ask Mrs. Frost to go on a stage, she'd run away. Man. She'd sort of, but yeah, it's it's funny, isn't it? How you know? How, I suppose our relationships work as well as us as individuals. Yeah, there's that sort of like yin and yang thing going on. So, I mean, standing in front of a camera and talking to the nation about gardening or garden design. Does that sit comfortably with you, or do you actually need to get yourself into a headspace to do that as well as you do? No, I, th- I think in a way, I obviously initially when you start doing it, you know, you you stood in the garden literally talking to a, a bloke with a camera with another man holding a, a rod with some sound stuff on it and someone else saying action and someone else making notes, which is all slightly odd. But then eventually, that I think the worrying bit, eventually that becomes normal. <laughs> And all I'm talking to, I've always been talking to George and Jim, who are the two old boys that I very first used to work with, and Maud and Mavis. And Maud was my my old tidy nan's name. And and I've just made up Mavis. Mavis is a mate that never really existed, but she had lots of mates to me. And that's who I'm talking to. And I, I've just had a day at work in my head, and I, or I'm out gardening, and I'm just trying to explain to George or Jim, this is how we're doing it or more than maybe it's just, you know, this is how we're doing it more than, and, and I just lose myself, you know, I suppose it's probably a little make-believe world that I've created <laughs> my happy place. Well, yeah. And that's good. That happy place. Now, I guess when you said that you see, or you would describe yourself as a gardener, I've always known you from, from the early days in your career as a garden designer. Yeah. Are you still a garden designer? Yeah, I'm surprised that you said gardener yeah. rather than garden designer. Yeah, yeah, no. I mean, I say it because ultimately I trained as a gardener, then I trained in landscape, then I worked to work for Jeff Hamilton. I gardened and I built for him, you know landscape for him. But also at the same time, he was the one that sent me to learn design. So um, I'm, I probably say gardener because I'm, I, I am at ease in a garden on my hands and knees yeah. gardening and and if i'm really honest hand on heart i think to be a half decent garden designer i'm probably going to get crucified for this but to be a half decent garden designer it helps if you're a half decent gardener i agree yeah, yeah. so we're both going to get hanged for this then I, I, I've done garden design, but I remember Mr. Yeah. Titchmarsh talking about him being a gardener who happened to be able to design. And, and that's not me. I'm not a yeah. full on garden designer, but knowing sort of like how to garden and what the implications of gardening mean to design, I think is really important. Yeah. And I, and I think the people that I hold, designers that I, that I hold in high regard, I know are good gardeners. Mm. You know, truly good gardeners. If you think, you know, I was lucky enough to work with Dan Pearson when Dan was really young, and and Dan is a thoughtful, brilliant gardener. Yeah. You know, someone like Tom Stewart Smith, who so many people, you know, rate as probably one of the best designers in the country. 
I know Tom's a good gardener and he loves gardening and he loves the doing of. And, and I think the moment that I know somebody gets their hands in the soil and, and wants to understand how plants grow, how they work in communities, you know, how layer systems work, how natural worlds work. Yeah, I think that to me, you know, puts them, it gives them all the good base knowledge that they need to then go and create gardens, I yeah. suppose. And I mean, I might be talking a complete and out load of rubbish, but it's, that's just how I feel about it. Yeah. I well, as I say, I, I agree from, from my experience of garden design and garden maintenance. I think I was a better designer from knowing how plants grow, how you actually yeah. garden in a garden, what you need. So yeah, you're pushing yeah. on an open door on that one. Yeah. No, it's, it's interesting, isn't it? In 2014, your Chelsea Garden Time to Reflect was a garden yeah. that drew on your experience of your childhood memories in North Devon. And mm. I wondered, how did those formative years shape your career? And what were your early aspirations for a career? <laughs> <laughs> they weren't just to get a job and earn a few quid. Um, I, like, I've been on this tour thing. I talk about that garden on this sort of tour and I've been around the country yeah. talking about my life in gardening, you know, and which starts with Tidy Nan, Scruffy Nan, um, working for Jeff Hamilton, but also it includes, I suppose, me being moved from to Devon from more or less yeah. London, really, when I was 15, left home when I was 16, really, because my mum and did, did a, dad did a swap with another couple. So I woke up and this bloke was moving <laughs> in and you know, the old man was moving out and, and I moved out. So actually at that point, if you sat young Frosty down and said, what do you want as a career, son? I'd, I'd just want a job, mate. Just give us a job. <laughs> um, but I went for an interview on a parks department and and I suppose it was probably those guys that I worked with there probably showed me that actually, oh, no, gardening is not just something that you do with with your nans and your granddads. It's something that someone will pay you a few bob for yeah. doing, you know. And, and, and I suppose the, it was... Probably the first thing in my life, apart from football, that I'd probably fell in love with, if that yeah. makes sense, really. Yeah. Like, wow, what? So you sow that and you grow it and then you plant it out. And if you put all these together, they look like that. And then, you know, and actually the silly thing, you know, oh, look, if you cut a lawn and then you cut the edge of the lawn, look how smart that mm. looks. And you, know, you dig a piece of ground and and you know you manure it and you realize you're feeling all those things that you learn to do as a gardener so i don't i suppose it was just an evolution and that time in devon that garden actually you're talking about was as much it was about the time in devon but it was also about my tidy nan it was also about mental illness alzheimer's memory it was about all sorts of things but it was the most personal garden i've done and i think it encapsulated that journey really as as a as a human and i suppose i end up just saying i'm a naughty boy that's done all right you know and so i suppose that time in devon was influenced by the landscape it was influenced by by the people right yeah uh, yeah jim you know jim george um and yeah and the natural landscape and and i suppose my old man you know we had a very especially at that point had a very difficult relationship but by the time i designed that garden um, I mean, I was a family punch bag, you know, so so we didn't talk for years. But by the time I designed that garden, he'd passed away and I'd we'd become mates. I'd understood why he moved us to Devon. 
his love of geology, craft, using his hands, all these different things. So the garden was about that, but it was it had so many different facets and novels to it. Um, yeah, which I think that's what gardens are about, really. I think gardens ultimately are about people, and and if you can get tap into people, and you can draw from people, you know, you can create from people. If that makes yeah, it, it does, and I think we we talk a lot about gardening with its benefits of both physical and mental strength mm. and and well-being and i think we all have become more and more aware of that perhaps since the pandemic spending time outside more people went outside than ever um but there's just so much in that there's so much truth in that oh i mean i i look back now i didn't realize at the time but for me because of my childhood the garden was a safe place it was a bolt to scruffy nan's tidy things <laughs> safe place where i could experiment i could garden but i was looked after yeah. and and for me i didn't rope that out until you know later on in life when you're talking to someone that knows a lot more about your brain than you do um, in, those, in those days and, when when you're yeah. in the garden um at an early age, were there any plants that were popular then that still bring back memories to you now? Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, every time I see a cactus, I think of Scruffy Nang because she used to get me propagating them, and also coleus, painted okay, nettle. Yeah. And I even saw one. You know, there was a, there was a um, there was a program on the other day, and it was like a um, it was a seventies, um, and they actually had a a coleus in a pot plant on the middle of the table, and actually I'd forgotten. <laughs> what this program was about because I was just looking <laughs> at the colours in the middle of the table and I'm kind of, oh yeah look that was the thing that reminded me a lot of the period of time not all the other yeah. stuff it was my nan had them yeah I, yeah you know, that was- I remember my parents garden they had pot marigolds which are very popular in those days and even yeah. now sort of yeah. like the smell of those and I yeah. always have to have one in the garden just because of that yeah, 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 link yeah. to my parents yeah I think, and I think that is the magic. Of it. And you talk about the 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 where, you know the health and the well being. I think that actually, probably what the pandemic did, you know, that the madness of that time was brought brought what all of us knew mm. to the front, you know, to the view of the nation. Yeah. I think that's why since then it's been a thing that everybody, so many more people have gone. Oh yeah, I get it. Ah, I get it. So, you know, if there was a legacy that was half decent, you know, anything decent to come out of that madness mm-hmm. might well be that there's a group of people that are just a little bit more connected to their landscape. But also, you know, when we're in a place that you're talking about social prescribing and you've got a health service that's that's connecting people to green space. And for me as a gardener, that's... That's yeah. That's just priceless. It's I, incredible. I wonder what it is. You know, you you try and think from your own perspective. What is it about going out into the garden that does this to us? What is it that takes us it takes out uh, takes us away from our worries and our problems and yeah. just finds us in a different place? Because there are many things that you could do that would have that distraction. I guess. Yeah. I th- I, I think it's it ends up being. A, a space that that ticks all the boxes that we talk about. So we talk about, you know, being in the moment. We talk about getting out of the busy rat race, you know, breaking a cycle. And we talk about all these different things. And if you actually wrote down the list of things with med- medical, you know, physical and mental yeah. health, 
and then went through and went, how many of those could you do in a garden setting? Mm. There wouldn't be many left on a, on a list. So I think sometimes the garden is the setting yeah, and that we can then use. I was even talking to someone so yesterday, the day before, I was talking about, you know, their teenager had, had got involved in in the garden and, and was really opening up and, and in the halfway, we ended up talking about and explaining really in reality was is they're nearly next next to each other, you know, in a border. And as she explained what they were doing, they were doing exactly what you're told to do. Is you want to engage a young person or talk about you don't look face to face. You know, you sit next to them, you go on a mm. walk, you do. Of course, this this parent and, and youngster were doing that in a garden setting, but without even really knowing they were doing it. And I think a lot of that goes on in a garden. Absolutely, yeah. When you were 21, you, you've mentioned Jeff, Mr. Hamilton, the legend yeah. that was Mr. Hamilton. You you found yourself working alongside him. Um, in 2018, I had a similar experience. I found myself working alongside Carol Klein at Glebe Cottage for a year. For the um, first day, I couldn't remember a single plant. I was stood in front of Babina Benariensis. Could I remember the name? I couldn't. How was it for you working alongside Jeff? How did that come about? Well, mate, I, I mean, it nearly didn't come about, but I, I, I really hand on heart. Um, I was 21 and I was out on a Friday night, so I didn't really know who he was. <laughs> um, which sounds terrible, but actually in reality, it was a godsend because I went to Barnsdale and if I think I had I would have, if I'd have known before I went who I was about to spend some time, I'm not sure I'd have been able to speak. Yeah. And then I can remember following this man round and, and listening to him. And then it, it soon became really blatantly obvious to me that this fellow was a big mm. deal. Because he, you know, he, he bigged it up or anything. He just, I don't know, the man oozed something. Yeah. And it this sort of underlying or understated passion for gardens, for gardening. You know, he thought that well would be a better place if everybody gardened. Well, you couldn't think true word on that. And and then he was telling me about Barnsdale and what he wanted to do with it, what had been done, met his son, Nick Hamilton, who's, you know, a fantastic yeah. grower. And I suppose I just left there slightly, slightly in awe of going, wow. How long were you there with him? Well, there's six or seven years. So I was 21 and then he passed away, what, in 96? So, yeah. So literally, um, yeah, from 21 to when he passed away. Um, but, yeah, it was rather um, – it was a magical time. And, I, and again, some of that has been done looking back. You know, I, I'm not necessarily sure I, I 100% – I don't think necessarily many of us do 100% understand stuff when we're in our early to mid-20s, do we? Really but no. I think looking back, it was, a, it was a time that set up an awful lot of things. And I mean, what I mean by that is if you look at, I don't know, you man was doing peat-free, he was doing organics, he was doing, you know, he was president of plant life, stopped destroying the countryside. And so all of that stuff was ingrained and imprinted at me, in me. At 21, you know, and we've got all these conversations going on about Pete now and we've eventually yeah. got to the place, you know, legislation's been made and and there's lots of people worrying about it. And so I'm going, well, well, I haven't really done any different because that's what Jeff told us we mm. were doing. Mm. And actually, then when you, you watched his son 
learn how to grow commercially with this stuff and 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 run a nursery actually for us gardeners it's it's fine you just have to find different ways of achieving the same thing which is it's it's not undoable yeah. it's quite straightforward really so i suppose but all of that was back then mm. and and now you look back and you just think wow i was a lucky boy absolutely is, is there anything you took from that experience that you use today in terms of gardening, presenting, writing, or oh. anything that Jeff instilled within you from a professional perspective? Probably probably just be yourself, just be honest. Um, be honest about the things that go right. Be honest about the things that go wrong. Um, don't pretend. Just just be yourself. And I, and I think more than anything, he he sort of he was the one that got the firelighters out under the plants for me i think he was the one that got all that going yeah. because Barnsdale was this just this place and obviously you know i'd done parks department i'd done london landscaping but obviously that was in a period of time mm. you know it's like when you when you landscape or if you you garden in the same places you learn that group of plants and then you then go and meet this fellow yeah. and you're going what what this does this and this and this so i suppose it's it's that stuff. So it's that. Even to the day he died, I would say that he was incredibly inquisitive mm. um, about the natural world, and and probably he's left me with that. I think, yeah, you know, I constantly want to, constantly want to learn. I think like us as gardeners, you know, I think if you get to a place knowing that you're going to go in the ground, only knowing about half of what you want to yeah. know. That's quite a comfortable place Absolutely. to get to, rather than pretending that you know half of what you really know. If you're not yeah, going yeah, to mean, you know, yeah. you know half of, half of what you really know. Do you um, do you ever wonder what Jeff would make of you now being a presenter on the program that he presented? Uh, it'd probably square me right up. It'd probably tell me, "Well, you, yeah, this is all right, boy, but uh, you know, you need to look at that, boy." <laughs> I'd still be called boy, even at fifty. <laughs> it's still called boy, and yeah, and and to be fair, there's 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 a few people that I would that I would love to just be to have been given the opportunity to show them what I'm doing, and not to show off, but just to say thank you because I think you. You were a big part of this. You started this. You were, uh, you know, and obviously me, me granddad's, um, me nan's, and, and Jeff sits in there, you know. And I, I mean, I've got his 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 spade, his, wow. his garden spade, given it by by the family, and it's next to my granddad's spade in my office. Wow, that's, you know, and that's lovely. And I look, yeah, it is. And I look at it. I'm getting goosebumps yeah. now. And I look at it. So am I. Yeah, you it's know, and special. it's, it's yeah. special. You know, and yeah, and and yeah, and, and I suppose yeah, for, for a man to be passed away, you know, nineteen ninety six. Mm. So we're approaching what thirty odd years. And the moment you mention his name in an audience, the moment you know you've brought him up, you know, the legend yeah. that is this man is still being talked about. Yeah, that's an incredible legacy oh, this far down the it? line. You, and and so many of us are just going, wow, he was so ahead of his time. Yeah, and that's the thing. That's what we do say, the peat free, the yeah. sustainability, all those years ago. And he was just like, it was what he did. Incredible. So the last thing, last thing we did together, all right, 
um, and I designed it with with him, and we did a reclaimed garden, yeah, a gardener's world life uh, in 1996. Wow, wow! And you're walking down Chelsea at the moment, <laughs> I'm main going, yeah, yeah, they're doing doing this, and you go, yeah, oh, it's brilliant, and I'm pleased that everybody's doing yeah. it now, and um, but you know, 1996. It's a, it seems. And well, it is. It, it's thirty odd years ago, almost. It's where? Where's oh. the time gone? And that was just what he did then. Um, yeah. Yeah. yeah, bring bring I him back. Got yeah. The old salvage yards from him. We found a bit of timber. We found a piece of timber out of an old ship, and then we went off and we found some some railings, um, some old garden railings that were rusty, gone to bits. And then, then actually, we decided we were going to try and make a um, a water feature out of a hot water tank. Um, we found someone that was making bricks out of old glass. And we went on this like little journey, you know, and, and it's just like, wow, this, you know, and that garden's still advanced. Though. Wow. I wonder, I wonder if he looks down and thinks, for goodness sake, you know, you've still not got this Pete thing sorted out. You know, you need to do more. Yes. I think he probably does because I've been lucky enough to um, talk to our king about it. It was obviously definitely the same point yeah, of view. Yeah. So if I I know what the king said to me, and I think Jeff wouldn't be a, a many miles away from from where you know from where he sort of he takes his thoughts and his you know and his opinion from. So yeah, I think. But I think he would also be quite chuffed that we've eventually drawn a line. But I think he also he would be very mindful and understand that. It was a difficult thing for the industry to do, yeah, you know, professionalism. Because I think under all of that, he loved loved the industry and he loved and he loved, you know, plants and people. Mm. So I think I think he would be mindful about how he how he voiced his opinion and whatever. It would be rude of me now not to ask you to tell me more about your encounter with the king. How how did that come about? What can you tell us about that? Mm. Oh, mate, that was just like, I mean, first of all, it was, I was at a do about, God, this is quite a long time ago now. I was at a do about biosecurity. Um, and, and he was speaking and then obviously we were introduced afterwards and, um, I cheekily, um, asked him, um, if he would do me a favor. Apparently you can't do that. Obviously he was a prince at the time, but apparently you can't do okay. that. His people told him off afterwards. <laughs> Um, but actually, in reality, I asked him for a favour and just said, you know, if I could get something on the BBC to talk about biosecurity and the problems, would you, would you help? He said, I'd be there like a shot. Wow. Um, and anyway, a couple of weeks later, um, Clarence House followed up on him and just said, you know, Prince wants to know if he managed to. So, yeah, I managed to sort of then, a fellow called Paolo, actually, who was the executive at the time, goes, mate, I, I think I... I think we could have something on our hands here. We think we can make this work because I've actually told him we can. So, um, yeah, and we did. And we went for this interview. And again, you know, we were told that we were only going to get 20 minutes, this, that and the other. Um, and he came out and I think they dragged him away about two, two and a half hours later. But he was still talking about the yeah, subject yeah. and biosecurity, and but then the gardening. And yeah, and it was just, and I think from that moment, um, yeah, I could became really good mates with with one of the fellas that works really closely with him on the tree stuff, and and just stayed in contact, I suppose. In, you know, through different yeah, yeah. things, and we yeah. bumped each other. At, um, in fact, I saw him a couple of weeks ago at Chelsea, and 
um, yeah, and just trying to help where I've been asked to help, really. And but I tend to do it just all a bit quietly, just get on with it. And yeah, which which puts me but, in mind. I'm um, having spoken to Nick on the podcast, uh, Nick Hamilton, uh, very similar to how Jeff was, just getting on with it very quietly, very unassuming about what he does. I I personally see some parallels between you and lovely Jeff Hamilton. Yeah, which which is a lovely thing to say. I I feel I also inside feel slightly inadequate. Some was the moment someone says that to me, <laughs> but I you know I if I suppose if I go in the ground and and you know one per one person in the ten people that might turn up at my funeral go oh, actually do you know what it was a little bit that will do yeah that will do. I mean it's you know yeah you. Yeah, it's it's a massive compliment. But I think I don't think it's necessarily I think it's just I'm driven by a passion for what we do, yeah. you know, and it's lots of I think there's lots of me, there's lots of you in our industry. There's lots of us that genuinely care mm. about it. And just a few of us occasionally get chucked in front of something and and we sink or swim. And at the moment, you know, I'm just about I'm keeping my head above the water, you know. And <laughs> And you just got to enjoy it while it lasts, I suppose. How do you how do you cope? I mean, I guess no one day is the same as the other. As, as an outsider, a relative outsider looking in, how do you cope with the complexities of you've got a new garden, you've got Gardeners World, you write, you design. How do you manage that? Well, I, I didn't for a bit. That's why the wheels came off. So in, in 2021, in the September, I got locked in a room. That's why we moved, really. I got locked in a room with COVID, and then 10 days later, I'm sat in front of a doctor and a psychiatrist, and they've gone, wow, well, you've got depression and you've got burnout. Did you know that? Did um, you, we, in, did deep inside, did you? I didn't have a clue, mate. No, no, no. I just went in the room with COVID. So I was really quite surprised when I came out the other side of it with that. But actually, my missus had been really poorly. One of my kids had been really poorly. And, and they reckoned that what they did is put me in a room, mm. and adrenaline that I'd obviously been living on probably since I was about 16, disappeared and then it was like someone was emptying a filing cabinet in the back of my head and it, it was bizarre it was really bizarre and because and, and i had everything going wrong yeah. but everything was inside going wrong and and that's why we decided to simplify life really and we closed the school down you know i moved out the big garden the big mm. house and actually i did lots of talking and and reality is you know, I I know where the edge is now. I was doing too much. I was working too hard. I was trying to deal with a lot of family stuff that I wasn't necessarily equipped to deal mm. with. And and I was losing. The weird thing was, I was actually losing contact with the garden. It was becoming just this list of jobs. Yeah. And, and yeah, so in a weird way, moving has reset everything. And we're now, I suppose... It now feels good, and and now now I've got to a place where every day you got to get up and have a good day, mm. and and just appreciate every segment of what I do. And and actually, my daughter runs the office um, and runs my life. So now we're very much today. I'm a gardener, right? Ah, uh, right. So I'm a little bit like Wurzel Gummidge. Can you remember You're... Wurzel <laughs> with the different remember heads? Wurzel, you come down in the in the morning and you put a different head on. You know, I got different heads, and I keep them in the hallway. <laughs> And then, you know, I've got slightly, you know, I should have like little professor's hat on <laughs> this one, little, like, you know, a bit of straw coming out for that one. But actually, I, I, I suppose I'm learning to engage in that. Yeah. Right, oh, right. I'm talking. Bang. That's and, right. And, and things I can mix. Yeah. Like today, I'm talking to you, 
but then this afternoon I'm going out in the garden. Yeah. That mixes as well. But if I'm talking to you and then, I don't know, then I was trying to go and sit and write looking out the window, I'd probably done enough communicating a day. I'm better off going in the garden or I'm better off going with a sketch pad. So, yeah, I, I mean, it's fascinating. I love it. I really genuinely now feel, well, I feel at ease with myself. That's, yeah, that's so it's good to hear. Good. But having to go through that to make, to come yeah, out and... I, but, well, I mean, I got told by the fellow that, you know, helped sort me out. I think in reality, obviously, boy, if, if, would you have changed anything if you didn't get locked in that mm. room? And it's probably right. Probably totally right. I I would have carried on, you know, head down, backside up, just keep... Because I suppose that's... That's what I was taught to do. I was taught to go out every day and work hard. Mm. And and I've not learned that you didn't have to do that every day. Yeah, you, you just get caught up in with the momentum, I guess, and just because that's what yeah. you do, you just head down, get on yeah. with it, repeat. It's, yeah, it's interesting. I've, I shared it on this tour thing. I did it on this tour thing, and I wasn't going to be as honest. And I, I don't know, whatever reason, I had a semi-plan the first night of the tour, and I went out and I was really honest about all this stuff that we're talking about. And it's like... Literally everybody stood up at him and I got standing ovation. I'm thinking, I've just told you a story of a of a kid in a life mm. and, and started getting emails mm. and messages and going. And then I ended I carried it on. And and I think I think what you realise is that if if you've got a story, then then tell it if it might help a few people. And I suppose that's probably come out of the last 18 months as well, is it's important to just, I mean, it, you know, there was one email that I had from from somebody, and it was about two days after, and it was a lady, and she just emailed and said, thank you very much for a great night, but I just needed to tell you. Um, and then went on to describe that her husband got in the car that night um, and burst into tears after the tour, which obviously instantly I figured, oh, we didn't have a really good time there. <laughs> <but." laughs> and he just said that he sat there and said to me, look, if, if that boy can stand on the stage and tell us what he's just told us. Maybe I can get my shit together. Wow. And she said, he's since then, he's done this, he's done that. And I can't thank you enough. And you're thinking, wow. So wow. the show we're talking about is an evening with Adam Frost. You toured the UK. Yeah. Um, you, you've yeah. said in an interview that there, you expected three ladies and a dog to, uh, to turn up. Well, to yeah. But the first question is, how did the three ladies and the dog behave? <laughs> And how did this come about? Because it's a, a departure from the day job, I guess, to a degree. Oh, mate, I, I thought it was a joke. So my agent had, had said there was this there was this company, um, um, and you know they do they do talking um, talking tours, and you know I don't remember if someone had heard the story or parts of the story or me just generally messing about somewhere. And said they would like you to do it, and I thought, "Well, who the hell's going to turn up and listen to me?" You know, and and so, no, she said, "No, they're being serious. That's what they want you to do." Like you know, so that was how it started. Mm. And then all of a sudden, you know, we did a little PR for it, and then we went on his first twelve dates, and that was before you know Christmas last year, and it went down storm. And it, and then they added, they said, "Oh, do you want to do a few more dates?" And I said. Yeah, all right then. Anyway, we went away for a couple of weeks. Mrs. Frost and I come back and then had eight more dates. So it's um, 
yeah, I, you know, I, again, it's another one of those things, isn't it? You know, I'll, I'll get to the end and go, where have I had to go? Yeah. I had to go, you know. And so when, when your agent came to you and put this to you, this Frosty who sat in the corner of the pub mulling over his beer and sort of like not really wanting to get out there and socialise, what were your first thoughts? Uh, an audience live, there's no sort of like, let's take that again. I know, but I, it's weird because I can do yeah. that. Yeah. I can do it. I can remember coming off one night and, and all the kids came with me, you know, and, and some of them, like, I mean, they're all older now, so some of them hadn't heard. Some, I suppose, because it, it, it was really honest. So there was moments, I suppose, that might, you know, sit people on their backsides. There was definitely plenty of smiles, but, and also there was probably a few tears along the way. But, but actually, you know, I'd come off, um, and especially my, my younger two, 16 and 18, I got the biggest cuddle I'd ever, I'd ever yeah. had. Um, and I'm sure that my 16-year-old's been different since he's heard some of what that's got up to. But but actually, the other side of it, right, because that's the, the oldest, the oldest boy, who's 24, with the last one we did, um, we he came with me and we went out and um, and he came walked out on stage with me to do the sound check. And he got this great theatre. And we walked him back to the change rooms and he just went, my hero, rather than you than me, Dad. Wow. That's what rather you than me, mate. I couldn't go out there and do that. And I kind honestly, the boy that we start to honestly, mate, I don't think I could have done it at your age. I don't think I could have mm. done it. But, but there was this bit of, yeah, let's go out and have a go. Any any memorable moments? I mean, you, you sort of literally open yourself out for people to ask anything. Any sort of questions or things that you thought, oh, my goodness me, how on earth am I going to tackle that one? No, I think, I think I'd been that honest that, Literally, yeah. there wasn't really, you know, the only stories that I could probably tell to the great British public now, I'd probably have to wait for a few people to pass away before I could really <laughs> tell the business, you know. It would seem a little bit wrong um, to go further than I've already gone. And bear in mind that, you know, the story involved the, um, my old man's funeral story, which was a bit like Only Fools and Horses doing a funeral. So <laughs> um, that's it went everywhere, everywhere. Um but no, I don't. I don't think. Yeah, I, maybe there's something quite liberating about being just. I don't know, just honest, just open, yeah. just. You know, if people want to find something out about you, they'll find it out. Well, I guess so. It, it's it's relatively easy these days if you really want to. Yeah. So, so yeah. the new garden. You're a garden designer. Do the rules? stop when you come to your own garden you've got your family who's who's head gardener what how do you go about doing your own garden with the family around you one that was a really that was a really loaded question wasn't it yeah. <laughs> did you smile when you were saying it to me um i i, like, I try and apply the rules and let's say i, I apply the rules 80 percent of the time but then all of a sudden the plantaholic gets involved yeah. And and then it goes a little bit wry, and he starts planting the odd things that he shouldn't be planting, and then then the garden designer takes control again. But this garden did all go on paper; it has all been planned. Um, have I done as much detail as I would if I'd done for a client? No, of course, I yeah. haven't. But 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 I've got the structural planting in now, and I'm starting to sort of put the herbaceous layers in. Um, yeah, Mrs. Frost plays a big part. I mean, the, the battle in the garden really is. It's, I'm 
I'm quite untidy um, and and I like everything to be really scruffy around the edges. She's not so into all that. <laughs> so I would say that there's one moment of tension in our garden. It's when I go away for a few days and I come back and I'm sure my garden is a lot tidier oh. than I left it. <laughs> and then I have to be, and then I'm meant to be grateful that it looks tidier. Ooh, I'm, um, I'm going to move on. This is <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> this is getting a hashtag awkward now. Um, exactly. All joking aside, are there any aspiring gardeners or garden designers in the family coming up? So interestingly, so my oldest, Absol, I said about who runs my life. So she did a... Um, she did a degree in animal science, basically, and I thought that's the world that she was going to go into. Anyway, she went into the sort of commercial feed world and didn't really enjoy it. But all the time she was doing her degree, she um, she worked in the office. Um, and anyway, she came back for six months and, and she stayed and she's got more and more involved um, and she loves it. And she's just signed up to do her first RHS course. Oh. So it might well be... Um, you know, I keep joking whether we do a photo shoot or this, that, or the other, and I keep saying, oh, this might be you soon, girl. <laughs> no, it's not. Yeah, Watch yeah. the space. Person, but, yeah, and, it, and it's lovely. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah, I mean, you never want to put, you know, also anything you do, I suppose, onto your kids. Mm. But, say, you know, having her around me, if we're doing something at RHS or if we're doing something at Chelsea or, you know, just in the garden or whatever, that it's not a... It's not a nice feeling to think that you might be able to pass some of it to someone. And, and number two is training to be an architect. So I feel like, you know, I'm sort of playing my part with him as well. Yeah. And yeah, and then we'll see with the next two, see what they end up doing. Okay. Adam, before I let you go off into the garden, um, Gardeners World yeah. live next week, the 15th to 18th of June. What can we expect from you at Gardeners World Live? When can we come and see you? Yeah, mate, I'm there on the well, I'm filming. So I'm there filming on the on the Wednesday and the Thursday. Then I stay Thursday night. I'm there all day on the Friday. Um, then I'm allowed to go home Friday night very quickly. Um, I'm not there on the, the Saturday, but I am there on the Sunday. Wow. So so actually I'll be there but I'll be filming on the Thursday. So I'll be on the showground. So Friday it will be all on stages. Um, and and actually, it's quite interesting. I think they they put a little bit of a twist on it this year, so it looks like I'm having different conversations with different people, which will be which will be cool, and it will be different. And then catching up with a couple of um, I spoke to David Hurrian, who's host one on no, stage. David, yeah, um, very well. He was a, he was a diamond, yeah. and a really close friend of mine, and he was saying, "Oh, should we talk about this or should we talk about that?" So that will be a nice conversations. Um, yeah, and then I think Nikki Chapman's there doing more interview based stuff. Um, yeah, and I think they've got me popping up all over the place. So it'll be nice, actually. It feels quite. Um, it feels like they've sort of just they've just shaken the pot a little yeah. bit. So I think, um, some of the formats will be slightly different, which I think will be good because I think you know if you go in year in year out, and it's it's nice, isn't it, just to see something. Yeah, a bit exactly. I, it's a show I like because I'd like the fact that you know I like the food. <laughs> yeah, because you got the food part as well. <laughs> Exactly, it's brilliant. It's I always come home with a load of stuff that I really shouldn't come home with, you know. Yeah, rather naughtily, I sort of I don't take lunch because I think I'll just wander around the food part and I'll get fed. Fed, you do, don't you? Yeah, it's brilliant. And then I come home with a load of oils and maybe a gym for Mrs. Frost and that and that. But actually, but it's all there, isn't it? So actually, as a family, you can go and yeah. do that. You could. I mean, Bob, I think's done an amazing. Um, job with with the halls because you know they're rammed back with 
with great growers yeah. now, you know. And there's there's a buzz about it that I would say that seemed to be tapering off in, you know, five, six, seven years ago. And I just think it's just, you know, I'm I'm excited about going because it's it's a good group of people and you know, lots to see and lots to enjoy. Before you go, as a as a punter, when you go there, is it the show gardens or the floral marquee? Where would you head to first? Floral marquee. I thought so. Yeah, without a doubt, without a doubt. I'd, I'd sort of yeah, and and that's not because I don't want to see the show gardens. So I apologise to any designer because I will come and see you. Yeah. I promise. But no, floral marquee, man. Yeah. And then I'm getting there early just in case they sell out or anything. I'm just, can you put that aside? Can you put that aside? And then I go back and pick it up on Sunday afternoon. Yeah. Adam, thank you so much for your time. Appreciate it. Um, enjoy your afternoon in the garden. It looks like it might be sunny there where you are today. It looks all right, mate. I'm going to get out there, enjoy the afternoon. And then, yeah, I think I'm filming going as well at the weekends. So, but um, are you there next I'm week? That, yeah, I will be there on the Wednesday afternoon and the Thursday. So I shall. Well, I will bump in at you. Come say hello and thank you in person. Uh, mate, you're a star. It's lovely to talk to you. Cheers. Thank you, Adam. Well, the best things in life are worth waiting for, they say. And I'm sure, like me, you'll agree that that was a great chat. I'd like to thank Adam and his team and the Gardener's World team for helping to arrange this chat. Now, as we mentioned in the interview, Adam is one of the guest presenters at Gardener's World Live this coming week in Birmingham, and the forecast looks brilliant. So do enjoy, and if you're going, do come along and say hello if you're a friend of the podcast. It would be lovely to meet you. Thanks as always for listening, and don't forget to follow and subscribe, and if you're able, please do leave a review. Now, like Adam... I'm also heading out into my own garden this afternoon for a bit of gardening therapy and relaxation. So I will see you next week. Bye bye for now. Bye bye.